San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle, and a good night down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFMB, you can hear the show as it airs on any device. Also, TuneIn Radio is another great app. And all these podcasts are commercial-free on iowamoney.com. That is iymoney.com. And That's the award-winning iymoney.com. Right, and we are on uh, iTunes, uh, free on iTunes if you search the title of the show. Now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire, an accomplished marathon runner, a best-selling author, a lecturer, a philanthropist, and a family office expert advising several high-net-worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? I'm great. So, you know, <laughs> we, we come in loud and clear in Northern California because I've been up there a lot. Yeah. San Jose, San Francisco. In fact, our guest is from San, the Bay Area. So yeah. But the point is, is that... You can actually listen to us live because... But the interesting thing is only on after sundown, Monday through Friday, and on weekends. That's the way the... Saturday FCC, night. We come in loud and clear in the Bay Area. Saturday all day, all day. Saturday, Sunday, mm-hmm. it should be. But, but uh, we're the only good show. Yeah. <laughs> and we have the awards to back that up, folks. If you go to iymoney.com, you can see it all there. But uh, let's dispense with the small talk, Richard. We've got a very important guest tonight in studio with us. A few weeks ago, we had uh, Dr. David Feifel, MD, PhD. I know that might be redundant because, you know, if you say the doctor in front. But I he like, had so many initials. Yes, but I like to, uh, you know, you, say, you either say David Feifel, MD, PhD, or Dr. David Feifel. But I like to say it all because mm-hmm. it, it's all impressive to me. The brain doctor. <laughs> anyway, he's head of uh, Department of Psychiatry at UC San Diego. And we didn't really get into right brain, left brain so much. But we're definitely going to explore that tonight because we have the founder of the Right Brain Academy and the Right Brain Entrepreneur. She's a lecturer all over the country and speaks to companies and individuals uh, on a regular basis and influences their lives and turns them around using her talent with art therapy and in studio. And we should really thank Marcy Morrison, former guest who referred her. Thank you, Marcy. Yes, but uh, without further delay, Stephanie Steidel, welcome to our show. Thank you. Our Excited ple- to be here. Our pleasure. Your website is very interesting. It's uh, trbe.org, right? Mm-hmm. Which defaults to the rightbrainentrepreneur.com. And if you click on your resume, it's it's a visual resume. And yes. I'm wondering if you are, it's really cool because you have timelines going right to left with colors and everything else. And, um, you know, it was easy for me to remember you. You know, you got your bachelor's in psychology at Georgetown mm-hmm. and uh, your master's in art therapy, New York University. But we usually like to start, we'll get to that, you know, in a little while. Richard, right, we like to start with uh, fetus and where you were born exactly. and raised. Exactly, we go from day one. <laughs> were you natural to, birth to or... what time uh, your flight uh, landed this were morning. Were you cesarean anyway. or natural birth, and then we'll take it from there, so. <laughs> <laughs> or don't you remember? Well, I came in with a lot of drama, apparently, too. Uh, so my, my family always likes to tell the story about how, how I was born and... Uh, that when I was born actually in Los Angeles uh-huh. and uh, they brought me in, my mom's in labor and my <laughs> uncle's there and the woman, the receptionist is, is on the phone and my mom just buckles down in pain and my uncle loves to tell the story about how he reached over, took the phone out of the woman's hand, hung it up and said, my sister's in labor right now. You need to get her a room. Uh, and shortly after, we'll I call I you came back out. later. Yep. Yeah. You need to hang up that phone. 
Um, this, so was this yeah. emergency room? Where was this? Yeah, I think it was like just the hospital. Oh my um, god, Granada Hills. Oh my gosh, how about that story, yeah. Richard? We never we never got that graphic on yeah. Tower, <laughs> but uh, you asked. Well, anyway, here you are. <laughs> so, how did you make your way back east then? So um, well, my let's, well, let's go childhood school in, in L.A. because we've got you know a lot of time. So L.A., you know, you went to school there and. No, actually. So I moved to the East Coast At what um, time? around, I was about four years old. Oh, okay. So my mom remarried and uh, we moved to Connecticut and that's where I spent the bulk of my childhood mm-hmm. and then uh, went to college in DC, mm-hmm. which was really great to spend so four years So high school, there. college and all in Connecticut? or Yeah, uh, okay. just high school in Connecticut mm-hmm. and then college in DC. Mm-hmm. Went back up to New York, lived in New York City for 10 years. So I think mm. that- I could be considered an official New Yorker at that point. But, uh, but Georgetown, good school. Yeah. The Hoyas. Yeah, the yes, Hoyas. go Hoyas. Yeah. So uh, you graduated there in, looks like, 2003. What, what year? 02. 02. <laughs> and psychology, were you initially attracted to, did you, were you always interested in psychology or did that um, uh, influence you more in college? Uh, actually, no. High school, uh, one of my favorite teachers, uh, Mr. Donabera, was teaching AP Psych. And mm-hmm. I wanted to take that course, and that's where. I got hooked. I've just been fascinated with how brains work. That's advanced placement psych, right? Yes, okay. yeah. And uh, it didn't, you know, once I got into college, I knew that I wanted to major in that. And mm-hmm. that, that that no matter what, that was going to influence what I do. Mm-hmm. And what about your interest in art? How young? Oh, that, that started, I mean, probably with the walls and some crayons. Uh, <laughs> I did that when I was two. I decorated yep. my parents' den. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then, but there was something I was all, always naturally attracted to. And also, uh, I started learning piano at four. So mm. it's been a natural expression for me, creativity. That's another show we have to do, which is music and education and the music and the brain. And I think Time Magazine even did an article on that. So maybe okay. we could touch upon that a yeah. little bit. Um, yeah. That was a Absolutely. few years ago. But We'll, we'll uh, get somebody from UCSD over. Yeah, but uh, I promised Martha and, uh, and Irwin that we would do, we would do more about the, the brain uh, and education because they say when you learn music earlier as a child uh, – it's easier to get to learn other things as well. It aids our, it, it helps our brain in many way, many ways. Probably a lot we don't know, but we're learning. So, mm-hmm. but um, anyway, um, so psychology, college. This is the thing I've always wondered about: the id, the ego, and super ego. Um, I mean, these are these aren't actual regions of the brain. These are just theory that I, that Freud came up with, right? Uh, about the the human personality. I mean, have we proven that we have an id, an ego, and a super ego, or? Mm, you know, it's, it's changed. It's yeah. changed. Or yeah. just metaphors for other. Yeah. And I think it's also morphed. So now people refer to the ego in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do believe that uh, we, as we grow up, we create certain defense mechanisms mm-hmm. and we name them differently. But that, you know, the ego is what normally keeps us safe and uh, limits how, how we view the world. Uh, and then there's what some may refer to as your higher self or a different consciousness mm. that expands beyond that. Mm. So they're just these are just, I guess, different ways to employ the brain, use the brain or study the brain or the, the way we use our brains. Right. Exactly. OK, gotcha. So but um, well, but, but quick question, what, what's the difference between the right brain and the left brain? So in the 1970s, Roger Sperry won a Nobel Prize for his split brain studies and uh that's when we started. We, we knew before that that our brain is divided into two mm-hmm. hemispheres. But in his studies, that's when he discovered that each hemisphere is responsible for a different process. So there is this misconception that you're either left-brained or right-brained, and that's not true. We're always using both hemispheres. 
Uh, but each one will be fired for a different process. Mm -hmm. And so what I believe is that most of us have actually been trained to, by default, use what I call left brain process. And the the left brain is analytical, it's verbal. So as I'm speaking to you right now, it's mostly going through my left brain. And the left brain will attack a challenge by shuffling through the past and trying to find the best formulaic answer. And so it's it's also pretty risk adverse. Uh, whereas the right brain is very free flowing and it and it does not take in information in words or numbers. It can only take in information through symbols and uh, it's our visual center mm. and it's also our creative center. Mm. So when we're being creative, uh, whether it's cooking or art or music, it, it is using more of that right brain process and it's very big pictured. So it won't see all the minute details. It can actually see beyond that and multiple possibilities and solutions. So it's it's crucial when we are trying to overcome challenges, but most of us have been trained to use more of a left brain process, which I can talk a little bit more about. You know, but, as, yeah. as I'm sitting here listening to you, and of course, we have a minute to the break, but um, it's in a, a, a recipe. If you follow a recipe to the T, to the letter, rather than looking at that and saying, maybe I should add a little more of this, a little less of that, or throw in something new or different, then I think you're using your, you know, the, the right brain, right? When you're getting a little more creative that way. Yes, absolutely. But most people adhere right to the half a teaspoon of this and a quarter teaspoon, right? I have never followed a recipe in my life, Jim. Really? I just sort of, <laughs> you know, make well, a few we'll changes. Talk about your, How's that turned out? <laughs> well, it turned out great, actually. Well, yeah. Anyway, we'll come right back with Stephanie Steidel from the Right Brain Academy and Entrepreneur right after this. Hang on. Thanks. <laughs> All right, that's Get Smart, and we are getting smart with Stephanie Steidel from the Right Brain Academy, the Right Brain Entrepreneur. We're back. and uh, Welchy? Yeah. <laughs> I actually watched a couple of those episodes. Yeah, they They're are, so funny. They are funny. Boy, and I'll tell you, I read up a little bit on Don Adams' life, and uh, not not uh, not a really happy life, I don't think. You know, multiple marriages and a lot of problems. He had some there. challenges. Yeah, he did. But, uh, hey, we judge the art, not the artist in this in this uh, war, in our office here, right, Richard? Yeah, who was the last one we had, Dick Van Dyke? What, for an artist? No, in terms of actor. Oh, an actor's? I think Dick Van Dyke yeah. was our last one. Yeah. Yeah. In any case, we're going to have Richard Dreyfus. He wants to be on the show. It's just a matter of scheduling. But, uh, he's, okay, he's that'll be fun. Play. Yes, absolutely. But anyway, back with Stephanie Steidel here. Uh, whatever even attracted you to the right brain, left brain, I guess at some point in your studies you, you discovered, well, this, this, this gentleman in the 70s, you said, actually, they show the brain firing, what, through uh, PET scans or something? Yeah, they did a whole bunch of different uh, studies, and then I think as we've progressed, we've also done uh, you know more imaging mm-hmm. to see how how different parts of the brain are being activated. So when I'm looking at a piece of art in a museum or whatever, there's certain parts of my brain that are firing v- versus other parts, right? Or- yeah, possibly, but for for me, the right brain process is more an active process, so it requires more interaction uh, and. Touching something and, and, and more experiential. Okay. Yeah. But but how did you get interested in, uh, shall we say, tying the two sides of the brain into the world of business? And therapy. Yeah. And therapy. Um, well. I mean, are you suggesting that most executives, for example, are left brain? Yes. And so I'll share why I believe that. And um, I, I highly recommend everyone watch uh, a TED Talk by Sir Ken Robinson because he also speaks about this that our education system was started in the Industrial Revolution, and at that point, it served a very good purpose. You learned a particular skill 
for that job that you would need to have afterwards. And at that time, it was mostly math and sciences because it was the Industrial Revolution. However, our education system has not changed much since. Our core curriculum, math, science, languages, the arts are extracurricular. And there's a particular value system that we place as though the the arts uh, are, are less of a value. I mean, the arts, we artists get paid the least. Social work, education, these are the least paying jobs. And the mm-hmm. highest paying jobs, according to pay scale for the last five years, math, sciences, engineering, accounting. Mm-hmm. and De- Definitely not being a radio show. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So most, most of us go through an education system that teaches us to think in a particular linear way. And Sir Ken Robinson talks about this, and he refers to a study in uh, a book called Breakpoint and Beyond. And what they realize is that all kids around kindergarten age, they tested them for creative genius. And 98% of them had a capacity for creative genius. And this genius decreased as they got older Mm. and the common denominator is we all went through the same education system so we are all born with this amazing creative capacity and then we forget to we we stop using that muscle Mm -hmm. so what i've noticed in my work is as i started to learn more about art therapy and i and i was bringing clients through this process that they would overcome challenges way faster and more efficiently when they were doing something visual or more hands-on and interactive versus just talking about something. I would submit even humor, uh, because obviously when you're creating humor, uh, you're probably using a lot of your right brain, um, but they say young kids, you know, children, they laugh about 400 times a day, and as we age, it becomes like 12 times a day. So 800 times if you watch the debate. (laughs) 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 Anyway... um, you threw me off there, Richard. I know. <laughs> I know. But um, um, the point being, uh, you know, I guess the creative arts and the creative power. But, you know, that does you, – you need – I mean, look at – obviously, if you're developing new therapies, new treatments, new anything, you have to use your creative side of your brain, right? Yeah, and uh, when and, – and how so to answer your question about how I brought this into business is most people – you know, they go to business school and they're taught the nuts and bolts, but they're taught to be risk adverse and to how to do to, spreadsheets. Exactly. Whereas they no one ever teaches them how to think creatively and how to overcome uh, some of the inner barriers like fear, um, mm-hmm. self-confidence, uh, having clarity of where you actually want to go. I, I talk to new entrepreneurs and I ask them, well, what do you want? Where do you want to go with your business? And they've never sat down and actually thought about that. Hmm. And once they take, start to think about that and envision uh, their future and, and learn how to create, come from a place of creation, uh, everything shifts. And hmm. it, it helps them integrate everything that they've learned. Hmm. So, so are topics like leadership and creating culture part of what you do? Um, I have done that in the past, but what I've been doing recently is mostly working with individuals mm-hmm. and, and new entrepreneurs uh, to master that that inner game and give them the tools to tap into their inner resourcefulness and and that creativity that we all have inside of us, we've just forgotten how to tap into that. But, find, and, and can, but finding that art therapy program at NYU, I mean, uh, where you got your masters, mm-hmm. are they the only ones uh, in the country doing this now, or is that uh, becoming more of an academic uh, area of... of, of uh, it's actually worldwide and definitely nationwide. Uh, there's programs here in San Diego, also Los Angeles, uh, Bay Area, mm-hmm. New York. Um, there's also, I believe there's one in Virginia. Um, there's, oh yeah, all you can get. There's multiple programs, art therapy programs. And now there's a doctorate, actually, for art therapy. Hmm. 
But are there challenges for people who are, shall we say, getting good at using their right brain if they're existing in a left brain world? Yes, because it's essentially, you know, you're, you've, you're used to being a circle mm-hmm. and then you start to become a, a square and then you go into an environment full of circles. So it's really also as you are moving into this new realm, there's a lot of resistance that people come up against because well, people other people like don't understand change. it. Well, people don't like change. You're different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But how much is this, uh, you know, culturally ingrained to us in, as children, depending upon your, your environment at home or in school, um, you know, you develop these talents or you're they're suppressed, you know, depending upon where you're born, right? And, right. And so, I mean, Richard's right. I mean, you may have to overcome a, a whole lifetime of, of left brain training and environment, right? Well, I did. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, you have what I'm doing is I'm reprogramming your brain. It's called neuroplasticity. So we now know mm. our brain is malleable and that we can rewire it. And uh, essentially, you have to remove the old programming that doesn't serve you and create new programming. Mm-hmm. And we're essentially using new neural patterns to help people build these this these new wire bundles, essentially, in the brain mm-hmm. so that it becomes more natural for them. So if you've been adding columns of numbers for your whole professional life or, or whatever, doing math, um, what are some things that you can help? What are some things we could do, even at home, to help us develop right brain? Well, the first thing is you just change your environment as much as possible. So when we change our environment, whether it means just going outside and going for a walk or working from a cafe one day instead of your home office, uh, it, it starts to shift those neural patterns in your brain and your brain starts to, it, it just kind of fires those creative uh, patterns. And, and another thing that I always recommend is whenever possible, if you're dealing with a challenge is we, our, our normal way of doing it is talking about it, talking it through, maybe even complaining about it to mm-hmm. our spouse or a friend. And uh, when you can bring it out to the visual realm, it really helps you see that bigger picture, that right brain bigger picture. And mm-hmm. people then can see new solutions that they didn't see before. So you're talking about behavior change. It's, it's behavior change and thought pattern change. But, I mean, in terms of somebody's daily well, it's routine. A, it's, yes. It's yeah. attitude, right? It's, it's attitude. It's also attitude, yeah. mindset for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, going. Uh, what would be a good environment? Would it be go to an art museum? Would it be take an art class? Go to. I, I mean, I, I know there's this coffee house in Pacific Beach where they get once a week people together and they just paint, you know. Mm-hmm. I've seen watercolor groups out by Law Street Beach, you know, mm-hmm. painting, painting. But uh, are, is that something you'd? You think we should explore? Or? Yes, the more stimulating, the the better. But the the point is that it's different from what you're used to. Mm. So even if you're actually in a really stimulating environment, going into an environment that's less stimulating. So if you're used to being in a busy office, you know, go into nature. Uh, mm. You need to you need to change it up for your brain. Mm. Uh, and uh, if you at, at all possible, if you can actually be creative, and you don't necessarily need to be an artist to be creative. It could mm-hmm. be cooking. It could be gardening. It could be water painting, coloring in. They have these adult coloring books now. Uh, what that does is it, it releases serotonin. Uh, so you start to feel good. It releases the cortisol, the stress cortisol. Mm-hmm. And uh, studies now show that you release the same brain waves uh, the theta waves that um, monks have when they're in a deep meditation. Hmm. So it really helps you step out of the chaos and see new perspectives and, and people have a, those aha moments. Write a short story for God. You get on your computer and anyone can do that for mm-hmm. gosh. Joe, sake. you know, when I go to restaurants, I frequently get the crayons and color really? everything they give the kids. Huh. No. Good yeah. for you. When you can't you, get a date. You let, the, ki- let the kids <laughs> play with them. Come on. <laughs> anyway, we'll come right back with Stephanie Stiddle, Right Brain Entrepreneur from the Right Brain Academy right after this. Hang on. 
Winning, it's your money and your life. And now this is the time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors. Big thank you to our sponsors. As always, could not do this show without them. Michael Caranta with UBS, also our favorite CPAs on the planet. We got two of them, Signature Analytics, Jason Kruger, CPA, a great CFO service. Also, Paul Polito and Don Epic, CPAs, a more traditional CPA firm. Joel Greshkin with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Brenda Geiger, Geiger Law Office. Brenda, of course, specializes in asset protection and estate planning and recently had a really cool event where people brought in their classic and collectible cars. That was a lot of fun. Sean Puckett and Lane Elliott, our favorite bankers. California Republic Bank, a niche market bank specializing in very unique services for wealthy families and family offices. Also, Hub International, formerly known as Mars Maddox Insurance with Neil Staley, a great employee benefits firm. Tony Lombardi and Alex Sonkin with the LG Experience and the Lombardi Group helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs to the CPA's very best clients. Paul Hines, who is the CEO of Hearthstone Private Wealth Management. Paul, of course, also heads up the SeniorSafeAndSound.org initiative here in San Diego, helping to prevent financial elder abuse. We've got our favorite mortgage broker on the planet. That would be Mr. Nathan Watkins. I can't believe how interest rates are staying this low for this long. If you're buying or refinancing, Nathan Watkins. Also, Carl Sheeler, who used to be our business valuation sponsor. <clears throat> now check out twobearsranch.com. Carl's got a really cool charity in Colorado that uses equine therapy for veterans with PTSD. Is that T-W-O Bears Ranch? It's T-W-O, I think, dash B-E-A-R-S. Okay. Memoryranch.com. Right. Mm-hmm. In lovely Durango, Colorado. And speaking of getting to Durango back and safely, big thank you to Elite Lifestyle Management, who helps me with all kinds of things, including my bizarre travel arrangements, <laughs> as well as all kinds of other unique things. Elite Lifestyle Management with Michelle St. Clair is a really unique concierge service that helps people who have no time get things done, like travel, putting lights under couches, shipping pets all across the world, and anything else that you need to get done that might be considered somewhat unique where you don't want to do it yourself. So elite lifestyle management. And if anybody's getting hungry, listening to all these great sponsors, there's some other things they can do, right, Joe? You can get over to the Stats Coffee House, the original one in Normal Heights, uh, and the second one uh, in University Heights, and the third one in Hillcrest just opened up, uh, open 24-7-365. I guess the newest one will be there soon. But great food, uh, everything made on site and uh, always crowded. And then, of course, uh, the Very Good Food Foundation and Michelle Ciccarelli Lyrac and all the great work that they do and the great programs they put on with regard to sustainability and food and everything else. And uh, there you have it. And I know if everyone gets over to IYMoney.com, gets mm-hmm. on the Sponsors tab. Run so capably by the award-winning Courtney Holtz. There you go. Uh, there's a drop-down menu there, and all the sponsors are right there. You can get the, all their contact information, history, bios, everything you need to know. And they've all been working with Richard, or most all of them, uh, for many, many years, right? Indeed. They, they are decidedly left-brained. <laughs> in, in many cases, they also exhibit some really cool right-brain training. And they're all hand-picked and, and just uh, great, so yep. uh, with great success. So, uh, And anyway, let's get back to... Stephanie, s- question. Speaking of success, Stephanie Steidel with the, the Right Brain Entrepreneur. I, um, I know a lot of entrepreneurs, and the ones, to me, that seem to do really well, of course, you have to have a good business plan, good concepts, things mm-hmm. that you're doing that are sound as far as business goes. But 
they seem to be very adaptable to change, and they also seem to be able to make decisions somewhat decisively as, as opposed to being procrastinators. What, what, what traits do you see in successful entrepreneurs? Yeah, uh, so I believe that the most successful uh, believe, um, excuse me, entrepreneurs, they master their mindset. So, you know, there, there's these failure rates. I think it's 90% mm-hmm. of new businesses fail within the first few years. But the interesting thing is this also applies to New Year's resolutions. So 90% of New Year's resolutions never come to fruition. So this isn't a business thing. This is a human being thing. Same thing with what people give up for Lent. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So what I've noticed, I, I got really interested in what's the 10% doing differently. And it's that they're, they're mastering their mindset. They have the ability to pivot, as, as you shared. Uh, they are able to look at uh, their inner resourcefulness because there's never a lack of resources, just a lack of resourcefulness. So mm-hmm. being able to think outside of the box uh, mm-hmm. and also be able to act in the face of fear. A lot of people are stopped by fear. They're risk adverse. Uh, but if you can shift looking at risk as an opportunity to learn, to see failure as lessons versus some mm-hmm. very scary thing where, you know, you're going to end up homeless, which rarely happens, you know, uh, then you can really make some great progress. Well, look at your website at trbe.org. I'm going to quote just the one line from the the IBM study from 2010. It says, Mm -hmm. 1,500 CEOs worldwide showed the most value quality in business is, Richard? Go ahead. Creativity. Creativity. (laughs) Oh, you're not going to guess. I'm I'm risk adverse. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, I used to think I was indecisive, but now I'm not so sure. But anyway... I was going to give you a crack at it, but anyway, yeah. creativity and that that um, that perfectly. I was t- going to guess a collaborative spirit. Yeah, that's what I was going to guess. Well, that's so I would have crea- That's creative. That, that's, part of, <laughs> that's part of creativity. That is creative. Yeah. But what you're saying, Stephanie, is you, you know you're right. Learn less of, from, from failure. We learn lessons, and that's cre- and that's being creative, right? Yes. Yeah. Right? So yeah. we can. Tr- so what you know? Let's say you get in front of a. I mean, you're working with corporations or, or an, ex- an executive, and uh, I mean, I, I don't know, do you lecture them or do you uh, get, them to, get them to do some exercises or what do you get them to do to break out of these ruts and get the right brain uh, firing? It's a, a little bit of both. So, you know, because most people are coming from this left brain society, right, I have to ease them into this right brain process. So first I have to speak in their own language and I give a lot of science behind uh, why you you need to tap into the right brain. I share what I've just shared with you about mm-hmm. the education system so that they can really understand uh, the the science behind it. And then I bring them through interactive exercises so they can actually experience it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's really amazing because people get to experience the, their inner artist and they mm-hmm. see themselves differently. And when that happens, they start taking new is, actions. Is it easier to do it with small groups of executives rather than one-on-one or, do you, or does it work either way? It works either way, but I do like to keep it more intimate. Mm-hmm. And how does, a, how does age affect receptivity? Well, the younger uh, generations will be more open, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do find the, the older generations uh, can have mm-hmm. a, a little bit more resistance. Uh, but it's something you show people. And when they experience it, then they understand it. So it's the hardest part is actually getting people through the door. Mm-hmm. And once I have them through the door, they're converted. We were all data driven, but once you show them the science and the research behind the data, then yes. maybe it begins to sink in, right? When exactly. They, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're using a trick. You're you're using their their mindset and and uh, getting to them that way. That's kind of interesting. Yes, absolutely. Huh. Well, because you do, you have to speak to the listening of whoever 
you're trying to uh, work with and mm-hmm. you have to get into their world. And this is something I talk to uh, my, entre- my entrepreneur clients about is you really have to understand your target market and speak to the, to the people that you're serving. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I use my own medicine. Now, veterans, we were talking about art therapy for veterans. You mentioned some interesting things at the break. Uh, do you want to elaborate on a little bit? I think you, one of your, you mentioned a colleague or, or one of your studies that uh, showed the value in this. Yeah, I'm very proud of uh, my colleague and someone that went, was in my NYU master's program, Melissa Walker. She just did a TED Med talk about her work with veterans at the um, Veteran Hospital in Virginia, and she works with uh, the veterans that are dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder. And what we have discovered is that when it could be really difficult for someone that's gone through a lot of trauma to talk about the trauma, but artwork can create a really safe space. It creates an emotional distance. And she gives these veterans the space to explore that trauma Mm -hmm. uh, through art and that helps them start to bring it into the verbal realm and, and they, they start to heal faster hmm. with this new awareness. It, it's, it's really quite extraordinary. Yeah, the, and then the equine therapy you talked about, yeah, Richard, that, that's helping the veterans. And um, Heather, there's even um, the, the uh, my friends are Colin and uh, Karen Archiplay, they have, um, they're using sustainability, they're, they're helping them in the, in the field of agriculture. Mm-hmm. And, and veterans. Uh, oh, well, agriculture is creative. Yeah, but, no uh, but I mean, it's just the environment. Like yeah, you say, getting a whole new calm, natural calm, environment. calming environment. Because obviously they've been in a very, if you've been in the battlefield, you've been in a ultra, an ultra stressful mm-hmm. environment. Um, and uh, it's obviously impaired a lot of people, you know, for that for life. And they have to, I guess, deal with this and get over it. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, that's that's an interesting, an interesting so any good success stories? Well, maybe when we come back from our break, we're going to take, we're coming up on our break right now, right, uh, Justin? Let's take I a little. I hear music. Yes. That would be Mason Williams and yeah. Classical Gap. Yes, thank you. Anyway, we'll be right back with Stephanie Steidel, Ripe Brain Entrepreneur, right after this. Hang on. All right, we are back with Stephanie Steidel, Ripe Brain Entrepreneur, the Ripe Brain Academy. Speaking engagements all over the country. Stephanie, question. Yes. College curriculum for business students, accounting, finance, business, business law. Do you feel that it's still way too left brain oriented? Because I know when I went to college, I wound up minoring in English. And it made a big difference for me to be able to do creative writing and so on. Mm. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I I, I believe it it has been in the past. We are seeing a shift. A lot of business schools like Stanford Business mm-hmm. School and also Harvard are starting to bring in creative leadership, uh, having people look at the bigger picture, uh, especially as we're going to this wave of social entrepreneurship mm-hmm. there, which I feel is more heart based, uh, creative based. So there is a new wave, but most curriculums, you know, we go off our, our history and what we think has worked in the past. So most of those subjects are the same. Yeah, because, you know, we talk about wealth on this show, but we don't really talk about money per se. We talk about wealth being people and the relationships you have, collaboration, you know, in the business world. Obviously, health, knowledge, community involvement, philanthropy, legacy, trying to find some sort of meaning in what you're doing every day. Yes. And all of those things, to me, are much more right-brained oriented than they are left-brained. Yes, yeah, and that's that's what I do. So most people go through business school, and they, they have all these tools and all this knowledge, and then they're stuck. They don't do anything with this knowledge. Mm-hmm. They don't know what to do with it. Uh, and we have this misconception that uh, we learn like more by knowing, but actually we learn more by doing. But most of us have these other interior inner blocks that get in the way of us using these tools. 
And it's usually because people uh, don't know why they're doing what they're doing. They're mm -hmm. not clear on where they're going. And so I start with that with all of my clients. Before we get to the target market, before we get to business plans, you need to truly understand your intrinsic values, uh, what's important to you, and why this business is something that you want to pursue. Because if your commitment is not there, it's going to be really easy to get off course because mm -hmm. entrepreneurship is not easy. So, but if you have that bigger commitment, that bigger vision, uh, and you know where you're going and why, you, as you said, decisive action, it's easier to make decisions. You have more confidence. You're able to communicate more effectively in your marketing and in your branding. Yeah, I would actually argue that people actually have to understand why they're on the planet. But Joe, you wanted, and this leads mm -hmm. in perfectly to what you were asking, Joe. How about some success story? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, wow. Um, I'm trying to think of where to start. I think the, the biggest thing that I see my clients come overcome is, is their fear. Uh, they, you know, there's this idea that I have to get it right first and I need to have all my ducks in a row first. And what I always encourage is to learn as you do. And so what I've seen my, my clients do, for example, one was Ian, he started his own bitters business. It was really cool. It's Napa Valley bitters. And he had this whole fundraiser. Uh, it was through Kickstarter that he wanted to do. And he just kept on like fixing it. I need to fix this part and I need to do this, you know, like getting it perfect, all those mm -hmm. details, that left brain thing. And I remember being on the phone with him and I said, listen, it's never going to be perfect. Let's just press the button and get it started. And I had to coach him through that. And when he pressed that button, I think he made about $12,000 within a month or so hmm. through that Kickstarter. And the biggest barrier often is that we're not taking action mm. uh, because we have all these these mental blocks. And so that, that's that's one success story where it's just, just by overcoming your fear um, that you get results quite quickly. Well, a lot is choosing the right collaborators as well. Richard's a big one on collaboration. And uh, maybe we put too much pressure on ourselves individually and, and all this fear, you know, builds up and rather than, you know, leaning on some other people and, and breaking through the fear of doing that, I guess, right, and, and making some good decisions. Right? Yeah, well, so many entrepreneurs do it alone. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's impossible to build a business alone. Even self-made millionaires did not do it alone. They had mentors, they had coaches, they mm -hmm. had teachers. And so- They got eight-figure loans from their father. Right, oh, never maybe, mind. Never yeah. mind. <laughs> so uh, I always encourage people to reach out to their communities. So, so many people don't even share what they're up to with their communities, and their communities are an untapped resource with all these connections. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then, you know, as you're moving forward, who are you going to bring into your business? Who are your partners? And if you don't know why you're on this planet, your, your values- um, it's, you'll end up mismatching with people. So you got to know yourself first and then bring in people that align with your values. Mm -hmm. I like your topics, like your brain on business, how to tap in your full potential, mm -hmm. the science behind creating a business you love, mm -hmm. the power of why, the key to business success and be the 10%, the neuroscience of goal achievement. Yeah. Um, you want to elaborate a little bit on that? The neuroscience of goal achievement. We talked about a little bit, but uh, anything else that we should really uh, focus in on? Wow. Well, so one of my favorite tools is a vision board. And the reason is 90% of what we take in, our brain takes in, is actually visual. And uh, we need to tap into that, that power. So most of us, when we talk about goals, we write a list of goals and we talk to our friends about, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds, but we can't really see it and feel it. And so I always have people put their goals into that visual realm 
and there's a lot of science behind it that you can find on my website. Um, I don't want to bore you with all the technical terms, but it really helps your your brain focus in and and create those opportunities for you. Mm-hmm. And then the last piece that I always recommend is having accountability. Uh, you know, left to our own devices, we will procrastinate. Uh, we're not great at being our own boss, so that's why people hire coaches or they have a personal trainer. Because when we have someone holding us to account, mm-hmm. we're way more likely to reach our goals. But, but the other big challenge, I think, for entrepreneurs is they get too much input. A lot of it not solicited. You should do this. You shouldn't do that. You should do this other thing. You should. And, and how, how, do, how do people face that challenge successfully where they're, they're going in a certain direction and they're getting all this input about, well, why don't you do it some other way? Well, if you have done the foundational work of figuring out who you are and why you're in business and what your values are and what you stand for in this world, uh, you can take all that information and pick and choose what fits you. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have that, then you're going to be easily pulled in all these different directions. Mm -hmm. And so I really feel like it's got to start with you and that certainty of who you are and, and what you're about. And that will allow you to to take that information without being swayed all over the place and throwing things at the wall and hoping it'll stick. You'll be way more decisive and confident. And you have to decide, you know, where your strength really are. I mean, I mean, I mean, Carol, or Carol, Burnett, Phyllis Diller wanted to be a classical pianist, and she was, but she realized early on. She said, uh, "I just don't have the chops to make it in this," and and she went another direction. Talk about creativity, mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of people don't know she interrupted her her comic career for ten years, and once she got famous as a comic, uh, she was a good enough pianist to do some some numbers with symphony orchestras. And do you know this? She took a 10 Yeah, well, she had some money in the bank, so yeah. she could do that. And she had a name, but uh, yeah. but she, all, she also had talent, you know. Mm-hmm. you got So basically, you have to assess your talent, right, too, uh, Stephanie? And, I mean, if you want to be a great opera singer, but... Uh, <laughs> you can't sing. But that's you, a bit of a problem. Right. <laughs> right. Well, th- there are certain things that you do need some talent for, but I also think people underestimate what they can learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and most new entrepreneurs or anyone trying to create wealth, like we all start at the same place. And, you know, the masters, they've just been in the game longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they've been learning longer. Like That's you, that has them be but successful. But like you told your client, just pull the trigger, you know, the, with the mm-hmm. bidders, pull the trigger and, you know, and the rest is history. I mean, he's probably, the business is thriving now, I take it, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we love his, I love his bidders. So just get <laughs> <laughs> And what are those go with what kind of drinks? I'm, you know, I'm not a big. I don't drink. I know you don't drink. Bitters goes in. I, I drink. <laughs> so okay. there's martinis, oh, okay. uh, Manhattans. Oh, okay. There, uh, there's all sorts of lovely cocktails that okay. you can make now. <laughs> well, craft cocktails. Yeah, I mean, exactly. that's the next big thing. Craft exactly. beer, craft cocktails. Yep. So that's the next big deal. But you've spoken in front of Morgan Stanley, South by South, Rotary Clubs all over. Um, um, uh, Nova worked for what's this one about the women uh, the American Business Women's Association yeah that's a nationwide association that I've also spoken for um, I was on NBC as well it's been so, so humbling and, and such a, such an honor to share this with with people and uh, I think just people are so inspired and relieved mm-hmm. when I speak in front of them to know that they have everything that they need inside of them to achieve their goals they just got to get out of their own way mm. but to know that you know, there's not necessarily always that you need more. It's just about removing the barriers that 
stop you from accessing your that, inner greatest. That may, that may mean cutting off certain relationships with certain toxic individuals, too, you know, things we don't want to face, right? But maybe that's got something to do with it, maybe? Yeah, well, you know, we now know that you're an average of the five people closest to you. So one of the things I always tell uh, new entrepreneurs is you need to get yourself into a new community that's going to support you uh, because someone that works in a nine-to-five will not understand what an entrepreneur is going through. So you need to be a part of a community that can lift you up and support you. And sometimes it does mean, it doesn't mean you completely cut people off, but you need to spend more time mm-hmm. in an empowering environment mm-hmm. to help you make that transition. Joe, it's the people you hang around with and the books you read. Yeah, ch- choose your friends wisely. You can't exactly. choose your, you can't pick your family, but you can certainly pick your friends. And uh, that I think that's an important lesson to be learned, right? You can right? pick your family. Anyway, <laughs> Stephanie Seidel, thank you so much. Stephanie, the thank you. Down here from San Francisco. Yeah, trbe.org. Get over to that website, folks. Learn more about the right brain and find out how to get a hold of her. Richard, great seeing you uh, this week. Justin Hart, our board operator, thanks for making us sound terrific. Thanks to Craig Blanket, our account executive, and to Dave Sniff, our programming genius here at KFB. All these podcasts are commercial free on iwamoney.com. We'll see you next week. Good night now.